Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Life's so full on. I've been working on this deck for ages. These steaks don't cook themselves, you know. Life's good with a Trex deck. Composite decking made from 95% recycled materials that won't rot, stain or fade. Trex, the world's number one decking brand. Lawn bowling is more than just a game. There's no talking on the green. Welcome to Without Bias. Welcome to another edition of Without Bias for another week. It's been another massive week uh, for Bowls Australia, and you can check it all out, bowls.com.au. Sam Hargraves filling in for Jack Heverin. Normally his domain, uh, but he's doing some fine work filling in on SEN Breakfast. Uh, My pleasure, though, to welcome my co-host today. We always go straight to the top on Without Bias, and the co-host for us this evening, the coach of the Australian squad, the Jackaroos, Steve Glasson, OAM, if you don't mind as well, has been good enough to jump on. Hello, Steve. Oh, Sam, pleasure to be on the show. Thank you uh, for the opportunity, and it's my great honour to try and contribute some in some small way to your magnificent show, so thank you. <laughs> oh, flattery will get you everywhere, Steve. Uh, <laughs> mate, What a, it's been a massive couple of weeks for you. Um, we've had... The Asia-Pacific Championships happening on the Gold Coast, which was only, I think, a week after the World Championships, if I'm not mistaken, before that. So it's been a very, very busy schedule. It's been full on, mate. So, yes, we, we uh, without trying to sound too funny, we had the Australian Open. and then Sorry, the Australian the Open, that's game. right. Yeah, no, all good, mate. So, look, it's been chaotic, that's for sure. Um, but that's what we're in the sport for. That's what we do it for. So uh, the Australian Open, it's the, the pinnacle of domestic events, Certainly in Australia. Sorry, that's my dog going off. Um, <laughs> she's uh, escaped. She's a bit of a brat. What's your dog's Puppy. name, Steve? Maggie. 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 What kind of dog is Maggie? She's a half something and a half something else. So, okay, yeah, yeah, a bitter. Um, the, techni- the, the technical version. So, um, so it's really um, yeah. She's quite a handful, but she's quite a character. So, um, but mate, yeah. So the Australian Open, it was it was fabulous. We crowned some new champions. It's. Um, as I say, the pinnacle of domestic events and, and the richest domestic uh, championship in the world as well. So just fabulous. And we had two weeks of that and then two weeks of the Asia-Pacific. So it's just been absolute organised chaos. Just take us through the results for the final week of the Asia-Pacific Championships. Um, it was a, a really positive event for Australia, some fantastic results. Uh, and we know that um, I think the the, 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 tri- the the triples had a win in the first week, and that was the only goal that Australia were able to get in week one. But it's been a, a really it's been a bit of a gold rush in the second week. Yeah, it's a little bit. I, I suppose a little bit of a slow start um, in the fact that uh, our boys triples did fantastic well in winning the gold medal the first week. Our men's pairs had an absolute cracker of final against New Zealand, who are, are great foes of ours on the bowling green and great rivals. Um, with New Zealand um, prevailing there in, in what was dramatic circumstances in the last end. So full credit to both teams there. Um, but then uh, I suppose in swimming terms, a negative split with Australia uh, coming home uh, powerfully in the second week, securing three goals and a bronze. So lots to, lots to learn. I think there were some great things. And if we focus solely uh, initially on the Australian 
uh, performance. You know, it was very pleasing, um, and we certainly met our goals. But uh, importantly, we learned a lot of lessons too, and lessons about ourselves and and how we've got to go about playing the game and things we can do better. But even more important, I think we learned a lot about our opposition. And, and credit to all participating countries. It would be remiss of me not to mention this, but you know, obviously New Zealand featured prominently um, as they always do. They're a world class unit. Uh, Malaysia, but also some of the smaller countries who were just, um, they've really grown in stature and in performance. And I talk about places like Thailand and New Guinea, uh, Singapore, just to name a few. They, they were exceptional. And uh, I think all countries in the world need to, to stand up and take notice that come the World Championships next year, when some of these countries who have qualified now will be participating, that, uh, that the bigger nations like ourselves are going to have our work cut out uh, providing over them. So it was a really interesting lesson and uh, and certainly a great wake-up call. Well, you mentioned Papua New Guinea. That's where our first gold came uh, for the week in the Australian women's pairs. Lindsay Clark and Kelsey Cottrell um, comprehensively beating, I suppose they were the sentimental favourites in a way, the, the, the Papua New Guineans, and uh, that was in the morning session. So automatically, as you're saying, these nations have come in, the, the non, I suppose, traditional or minnow nations, whatever you, you want to say, and, and they've had an impact straight away. They might not have got gold, but a silver medal uh, in the women's pairs for Papua New Guinea. And then in the men's fours, Barry Lester, Aaron Taze, Nathan Rice and Aaron Sheriff, um, they were six shots down after 10 ends and ended up winning 21 to 17. Uh, and that was against Malaysia, uh, if I'm not mistaken. Who was, who was their win against? Yeah, the, well, the finals against New Zealand, which was a... Um... That's Right, sorry. Promoter's dream. Yeah, yep. no, you're right, mate. In the in the men's fours, promoter's dream because they're two dynamic uh, fours combinations, and and Australia led well early. They they jumped out of the box, and and as they do, New Zealand came back strong, and and uh, and then led by six, only for our guys to hit back again. So it was a uh, it was a topsy turvy final with a lot of big shots and a big ends play with, uh, and you know, on this occasion Australia prevailed, but it was a real arm wrestle. But for the girls pairs, I mean, uh, the New Guinea duo actually beat our girls in the, in the um, preliminary rounds earlier on mm. with both teams qualifying for the final. So it was a case of um, a, a bit of revenge, I suppose, for our girls in the final. Um, but they, they knew they were in for a battle and, and no one anticipated the score probably being what it, it panned out to be with the form New Guinea was in. But that's that sport. But, I, I you know, I, I don't think that should sort of uh, signify how their event went. I mean, they had a fantastic um, campaign and, and full credit to them. So... Uh, we take our hats off to them. Before we get to the women's triples, they were the ones that beat Malaysia to get a gold there. That's right, yes. The, yeah. the, that, just that performance, though, from the men's fours, That's we, we, not that we glossed over it then, but I think that's an incredible comeback when you have a look at it. Six shots down after 10 ends and just five ends later to win 21-17. to 17, That's a monumental comeback in any sport, but especially bowls where momentum can play such a big part, but it also shows that you're never out of it. Well, you're never safe, are you? And I think perhaps in hindsight, you know, both teams might have looked at some uh, some critical decision-making throughout the game, which which certainly um, uh, impacted on the end result. So I think that was important. And, and New Zealand might rue an opportunity or two that they had or, or decisions that they made, but um, you, you're making the best interest of the time. And as I say, hindsight, is a funny thing, but, um, you know, yeah, for our guys to stick in there and, you know, they're up against such quality opposition and uh, and get the win was fantastic. And I think it, it really showed the, the true grit of the guys and the fact that, you know, they, they rally together very, very well. And that's, you know, critical ingredient to any successful sporting team. And, 
uh, again, we couldn't have been more pleased with them. What was the turning point in that game, do you think, if you were to well, sort of yeah. try and pinpoint exactly, you know, where that win or how that win has occurred, Steve, what, where, what would you have said was the moment? Well, there was two probably critical factors in the fact that our boys led about 8-2 early on and uh, and in bowls terms, they dropped a, a 4 and a 5. So they dropped two, two scores, uh, nine shots over two ends, which really put them on the back foot. Um, but then they, they sort of picked themselves up and, and didn't, um, stew on it. They they lift themselves back up and they collected a, a count of five, which is huge. So a couple of big scores, but that five really got them back into the game. And uh, and from there again, just some some really good play, some clever play, and uh, and certainly sublime play managed to carry them through. And they they managed to sort of overrun the, our Kiwi mates. But um, you know, a great contest to watch. And again, I think promoters dream. And uh, the boys certainly enjoyed, you know, getting over the line, uh, particularly after the fact our, our fours boys have been sort of uh, a couple of times in recent times at the silver medalist in major fours events. So it was, a, it was a big win for them. Yeah, absolutely. A sensational win and, and a real, I suppose, morale booster and, and, and I suppose a, a confidence builder ahead of what's a pretty busy schedule coming up. And we will get to you, uh, the England tour that you're leaving for on Sunday. Uh, the women's triples, they won gold as well. Beck Van Aish, uh and Natasha Scott, Carla Krizanich, they were pretty emphatic in their win over Malaysia. Ray Pierce, a bronze in the men's singles. How did you see his tournament? And without putting too much pressure on Ray, is he still our best singles option? So, yeah, I might touch on the triples first, if I may, Sam. Sure. So, I mean, they're a, they're a, a very well-credentialed and established uh, trio with both World and Commonwealth Games gold medals uh, already sort of up on the mantelpiece in their respective homes. So, uh, but again, they were well-challenged and, and, and Malaysia were one of many that really took the fight to them. Um, but our girls uh, came through and, and they seemed to have this this ability of when the going gets tough, they get going. And, and you know, they, they was, the big question was asked of them and they, and they really came to the force some big shots and and, uh, and pull one out of the hat there. So for Ray Pierce, it was uh, it was a an adventure, I suppose, really for Ray. So, you know, we're all in the process of gearing up for our World Outdoor Championships, which occur next year. It's the Olympics of bowls, so to speak. So, mm. um, so a lot of this is preparation, identification of that team. Ray is a uh, just the most amazing guy, um, mm. teammate and player. So it, it's his first time in the much-desired um, but very, very difficult role of, uh, of the Blue Ribbon singles uh, discipline. So it's, it's a tough role. So I often think it's a role that you've got to kind of build yourself into and, and learn and gain experience and all that sort of thing from. So Ray will come out of this... Um, even stronger, even better, um, with a lot of learning. So um, I think all players understand that no matter what the results were at these Asia Pacific Games, there's a lot of water to go under the bridge before we actually identify and name next year's World Bowls team, which is the pinnacle. So there's, there's no expect, experimentation with a World Championship team. You're, you're going out there with what you believe is the fully blown best team that you can possibly put on the paddock. Um so, you know, the Australian squad has got a very robust and uh, what will be a very highly critiqued next, you know, few months to, to finally come up with that team. And, and we're excited about it because, you know, they're in good form. We've got a lot of events to look forward to, such as multinations and trans-Tasmans and uh, Australia versus the rest of the world. So there's a lot of events still to come up, um, including the England Tour, where they can 
really sort of vie and, and put their name well and truly in the ring for selection. So it's uh, it's a testing time for them, um, and you know only the best of the best will really you know get the opportunity in what is a, a very competitive environment. Speaking to Steve Glasson, who is the national coach of our Australian Jackaroos, uh, this is without bias, Australia's only commercial lawn bowl show. Back on the other side of this, Steve, there's been a big announcement today of the uh, Australian Jackaroos, emerging Jackaroos, parasport uh, squads to represent us at Jackaroo level for 2019-2020. We'll go through that. Uh, and the attention now to the upcoming UK tour, we'll get you to take us through the details of that. And I want to ask you about Olympics on the other side of this as well, really interesting chat we had last week with the World Bowl CEO in uh, Gary Smith and what he revealed, the struggle that Bowls has got to try and get Olympic accreditation. We'll touch on that as well with that bias. We'll continue right after this on SEN. From the wide outdoors to the great indoors, this is Without Bias. Welcome back to Without Bias, all thanks to Bowls Australia, Australia's only dedicated commercial radio show featuring the wonderful world of lawn bowls. We've been privileged tonight to be joined by the national coach of the Jackaroos, Australian lawn bowls team in Steve Glasson, OAM. Hey, Steve, what did you get your OAM for, uh, by the way? I should have looked that up, but I thought oh, I'll let you tell the story. I, Service to bowls? Well, yes, there's two ways of looking at it, Sam. There's one that was... Uh, a monumental stuff up by the government, or two, <laughs> um, or two. No, certainly, uh, and I'm, I'm very humbled and honoured. Um, you know, services to bowls and administration and coaching and playing and that sort of thing for the sport. So um, it was certainly a great honour and uh, and and one I feel very humbled about. Uh, beautifully said. It's been a, a big day and, and continues to be a big few weeks for Bowls Australia. You've had the Asia-Pacific Championships, which we've just spoken about, and some great results there. This Sunday, you take off for the England Tour, which will be a pretty intensive tour. But a uh, big announcement today with the uh, Jackaroos squads, the emerging Jackaroos squads, um, and our para-sport Jackaroos being named as well. Very exciting day. Very tough day, too, I must add, because uh, we're, we're a very proud Bowls nation, and we've got an exceptional amount of depth within our within our sport. So it, uh, it really causes for some sleepless nights, I must say. And having been through it as a player, you know the, the trials and tribulations of, of selection announcements and the highs and lows that go with it. So whilst we're excited about the uh, the squads that have been announced, we also have, you know, that uh, that feeling of empathy for those that, uh, that didn't see their name listed on this occasion, but uh, certainly encourage them to keep going. But look, you know, we've got to look forward to, to what we're doing. We had a slight restructure as far as the program is concerned, with the, particularly around our emerging squad. Um, and with that, a very much a, a futuristic look, you know, going beyond anything that we're, we're looking at at the moment. We're looking towards things like Commonwealth Games in 2026 and beyond. So some of the players in that are, are, are quite early in their development um, and they've shown great skill sets and and uh, and personalities to to be given an opportunity to really get involved in the program and hopefully, um, you know, not fast track too much, but but help them plan and prepare and 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 develop for hopefully what will be you know highly successful and enjoyable careers uh, internationally a little bit further down the track. So um, a little bit of a restructure there, and of course, you know, the the men's and women women's squads, which are one one team per se, as the Jackaroos. Um, you know, only the one change there, a very difficult one to make there too, um, considering that, you know, the squad and the team have been going so so very, very well. So no wholesale changes there. 
but certainly, um, you know, a few pokes for people to to think, well, I, you know, there's more I can do or um, or an opportunity given to, to some to say, well, you know, I really need to grasp this with both hands. It's a very, very select uh, and elite, I suppose, squad. When you look at that, you get 20 positions there to fill and then you've got the 12, I suppose, player second tier and feeder squad. So, you know, to, to make that squad of 20 is an incredible achievement in its own, considering how strong Lawn Bowls is in Australia at the moment. You know, I spoke, as I said last week, to World Bowls CEO Gary Smith, and he just had nothing but praise for the way in which Bowls is set up in Australia from, you know, the funding that we're able to get from the strength of the clubs themselves and, you know, the way that the, the clubs are managed and run and, and the way that the people are being brought into the game. So to be one of the 20 best Lawn Bowlers in Australia, it's an incredible achievement. Oh, it certainly is, and 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 I think what you got to be mindful of here is certainly you know for those players that see, saw their name come out today is to certainly enjoy that moment. I mean, it's really important to to understand that there's a lot goes on behind the scenes to see your name pop up in in such an illustrious company, and you know it's not only your own you know talents or, or abilities and potentials, but it's all those support mechanisms that go on behind the scenes, whether it's through your clubs or your your sponsors, uh, most particularly you know your most your significant others, you know, your family and friends that have uh, influence on you. So all of that, I hope our guys are, are enjoying that tonight sort of thing, but uh, certainly not resting on their laurels and understanding that with this selection comes a, a great deal of responsibility. And uh, and that responsibility, you know, one of the main folks that is, is the desire to get better. And I think that's, uh, if these guys can carry that forward and have that, that total commitment and desire to improve, and, and it's going to sound really old-fashioned, Sam. I apologise, but you know it's not just improving on the on the playing track. It's actually you know going through the program, coming out the other side with other skill sets, and whether it be career or finance or family or whatever. Mm. Um, but you know we're we're building a program where hopefully you know there's a lot more benefits than just seeing, which is important, but just seeing our our stars on podiums with uh, with gold medals in the next. It's a great point you make, and, and having spoken to Barry Lester last week, who's a, a, a Com Games silver medalist, he's a, a silver medalist at World Championships, and he's just won gold with the men's fours at the Asia Pacific Championships last week. And the, just to hear him talk about how much work's gone into the fact that now for people like him, they can be full-time professional bowlers, they can make a living, um, and the way that the game supports them into helping them um, supplement income through other streams, like he's got his wine operation that uh, is going very well, which I was fascinated to, to hear about. But that is a credit to the sport itself, that it's established an elite level that can actually make money and purely focus on being a full-time lawn bowler. And the, the incredible thing, I think, and you'd, you'd agree, Steve, and you've you come up through the ranks, you're a world champion yourself, the, the, you look at the age of the people in the squad and it really goes against, I suppose, the stereotype that lawn bowls is an old person's game. The oldest person in the squad, and I'm sure she'll hate me saying this, is Karen Murphy at 44. Yeah. Uh, Wayne... Who they, who they uh, fondly call Nana these days. So, oh, wow. Yeah, which, um, <laughs> well, it's okay with her, I think, but, you know, yeah. Well, and uh, the, the youngest people in the squad, uh, Corey Wedlock and uh, Chloe Stewart, both at the age of 23. So that is a snapshot of, I suppose, the actual age of their best bowlers and, and where they're at. It's It's quite incredible. Yeah, look, and it's fabulous to see, and, and there's so many opportunities for these guys. And as Barry so correctly pointed out, you know, the, the sport is becoming more and more professional. Um, certainly we're not talking tennis and golf and that sort of stuff. We've got to be a little bit realistic mm. about that. But but there are opportunities there. And, 
And, you know, these guys are getting the opportunity. They, they play in the sport they love. They they work in the sport they love. They travel to, to all these different places in the world doing the sport they love. Absolutely. Um, and, you know, it's um, the glass is definitely half full when you look at it and, and see the opportunities. And, and, and bearing in mind that, you know, there's still a lot of sacrifice these guys have to make. It's not all just... Uh, fun and games, you know, there's a lot, a lot of hard work and uh, a lot of sacrifice that goes into it. Of the players maybe in the emerging squad or of the, some of those younger ones that are in the squad of 20 uh, of contracted um, BCIB Australian Jackaroos, you're a world champion. Uh, you were the number one player in the world in 2004. Of those people, who are we yet to see the best of? Who do you think that one day will have their name up in lights and be? Uh, give us one from the men's and from the women's squad that you think these these couple here are world champions in the making. Yeah, geez, you haven't put me on the spot there much. Not then. at all. <laughs> no, no. Look, um, we've got a you know if you look at the girls' team for starters, so um, you know we've got world and Commonwealth champions there. So you've got names like Ellen Ryan, Christina Christie, Chloe Stewart. Um, banging the door down to get in. And I think in just about any other country, they'd probably um, be a walk-up start. So they're in this environment that is extremely competitive. So there's there's three names for starters that I'm just going to pump mm. out there that, that are banging the door down on the girls. And the boys, we've got the same sort of thing, really. We've got, you know, you, you mentioned Corey Weddle, you've got Ben Twist. Um, you know, even our recent uh, Asia-Pacific team uh, didn't have the likes of Aaron Wilson in it, as an example, who's the current Commonwealth Games singles gold medalist. So... So there's all these names and more. And now, after today, you look at a generation beyond that with, or even two generations with the likes of, say, a Tiff Brody, who's probably next gen. And then beyond that, you know, Kira Burks um, and these sort of players that, um, that you know, really display the fact that the sport's in a, in a really good place um, and, and we're looking well forward to the future and, and hopefully ensuring great success for Australia, you know, not just short-term but long-term. Uh, you do have the tour of UK coming up, which is not a compulsory tour, but it's certainly one where it's, I suppose, about keeping the players in form and, and keeping them in uh, top-line competition uh, and also for bragging rights too over the old enemy. So that's coming up in July and you're actually heading off um, on Sunday. Yeah, really looking forward to that. That's a totally different trip to uh, the ones we've just had. You know, clearly um, our performances. Uh, in the UK over, well, since day dawn, um, probably haven't um, matched up as well as what they have in the Southern Hemisphere. So we're very fortunate through the likes of the AIS and Commonwealth Games Australia to to get some really great support um, to be able to fund these trips and get up there. And, and this is early preparation for Birmingham's Commonwealth Games in 2022. So the exposure and the experience that these guys will get is, um, well, it's priceless as far as, you know, preparation, identification uh, going forward. And, and we're going to have a great tour up there. The home nations, England, Ireland, Scotland, Wales, have been tremendous in making sure through their very hectic and, and rather short window um, UK summer outdoor that, uh, that they can fit us in as well. So we're very grateful for that. And the other exciting thing, of course, is um, the inclusion of our para-sport players. Which, yes, um, you know, following the Commonwealth Games last year, where our our two para disciplines in the vision and impaired mixed pairs, and the um, athletes with the disability triples both secured hard fought gold medals. Uh, they're coming with us as well this trip, so it adds a whole new X factor to it, and it's going to be exciting. It'll be challenging. It'll be everything that uh, that we want it to be. So, um, very much looking forward to that.
Uh, Steve Glasson, I've got to let you go, but I was fascinated last week speaking to World Bowl CEO Gary Smith, and he was talking about the struggle that's been going on for several years now to try and get lawn bowls, which is a Commonwealth Games accredited sport. It has its own world championships. It has, I think, over 60 countries that compete at those world championships, but under Olympic rule, once you combine those countries in as they do for the Olympics, you are under the required amount of countries needed to participate as per the Olympic model about trying to get accreditation and trying to get bowls in as an Olympic sport. And I'm sure the news last week that breakdancing is now an Olympic sport um, would have been a pretty frustrating and, and disappointing day for you, considering I know how passionate you'd be about getting Australia to the Olympics, Jackaroo Lawn Bowl style. Oh, look, absolutely. And, and look, I don't want to take away from anyone's passion and desire, but I suppose when I, I got wind of the fact that breakdancing was an Olympic sport, I was uh, <laughs> a, a little taken back, I've got to say. Um, I, I don't know how that works. I, I, to be fair, and I, I'm not bagging it out because I no, no. everyone's got their loves, but um, I, I wasn't aware that it was actually a sport, to be honest, and that's probably my own ignorance. But look, I think if we focus on our own backyard and, and you know, obviously try and learn and uh, and evolve to, to to try and cut the mustard, I suppose, as far as the IOC is concerned, um, and, and hopefully we can build participation and that competitive environment internationally. I mean, 60-plus nations is a, is a big chunk of the world, and, and it's a shame that that's not really um, absorbed and appreciated by the AOC. But, look, we've just got to keep forging ahead. Um, and, you know, I suppose it's like selection. You have frustrations along the way, but yep. do you fight or do you flight? You know, and, 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 you know, there's only one answer for me, and that's we fight. So um, onwards and upwards, and, and let's keep building momentum, and hopefully all this hard work, it goes in at the ground roots, you know, these days will pay dividends in the, in the longer term. Beautifully said from you, Steve Glass. And that's all the time we've got on Without Bias for this week. Big thanks to our special guest and co-host today, our national coach of the Jackaroo, Steve Glasson, after their squad of 20 and, of course, the Paris Sport Athletes announced as well. So it's been a big day and it continues with the tour of the UK. Good luck on that tour. Uh, make sure we just give those palms a whipping like we're doing in the Cricket World Cup, Steve, and we'll <laughs> chat to you soon on Without Bias. Fabulous. Thank you very much, Sam, and good bowling to all. Thanks. G'day, Mike Hussey here. Get on board Australia's best fantasy cricket game, KFC Supercoach BBL. It's fun, free, and easy to play. Play today at supercoach.com.au. T's and C's apply. New South Wales authorisation number TP slash 01005.